Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sniffin' Lines with Hunter Mickles. This is episode three of season two for this podcast. And boy, these first two episodes, they have brought me a lot of happiness. Uh, I love the feedback that you guys have been giving me. Um, a lot of ideas you guys have been throwing out to me. I I got five of my friends. Uh, we're all going to get into a little competition uh, betting-wise for this season. Um, I'm very excited for that. I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to send in three locks every week. So I'll put my three locks in, and then I'll have my friends send in their three locks, and we'll keep track of the records throughout the season and whoever wins, I don't know, we'll get some kind of prize. We've been talking about something, but we'll figure something out. Uh, but anyways, we got a pretty packed show tonight. Uh, I'm going to go over all the week zero games. I'm going to do some hot takes that a couple of my friends have sent in. I'm going to rate how hot, how hot of a take they are. And I am going to be previewing the Iowa Hawkeyes 2023 season. So let's just jump right into it. We're going to start off with the Week 0 recap. First game, Navy versus Notre Dame. This game was played in Ireland, and boy, it was not very fun to watch. Notre Dame smoked them 42-3. Navy just never had a chance. Their defense was absolutely horrific. It was like watching... A bunch of boys versus men. Uh, if that's what's going to be protecting our country in the future, we are f- we are not looking good. I'll tell you that much because they were not they were completely outmanned. Like they were not physical whatsoever. Notre Dame ran all over them. Notre Dame could be a pretty dangerous team. Their defense looked pretty good, like pretty damn good. It's tough to stop the option, and they did a damn good job doing it. Sam Hartman, he was 19 for 23, 251 yards and four touchdowns. Like Notre Dame with an elite quarterback could be a very interesting team this year. They could, uh, they they could make the playoffs. I'm not even kidding. They they could put up a fight against Ohio State coming up here shortly. They got Clemson. They got USC. Even if they don't make the playoffs, it could ruin somebody else's playoff chances. Uh, Audric. Estime, 16 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. He was running like a man. He's a damn good running back. Notre Dame, with a good offense and a good defense, especially behind Sam Hartman's arm, could be a very dangerous team this season. Uh, Moving on, we're going to talk about Ohio at San Diego State. Ohio, they looked like the better team. Curtis Rourke, before he got hurt, 8 for 10, 75 yards. Um, C.J. Harris came in. And he went 18 for 41, 203 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Uh, he he was not good. He was absolutely horrible. He lost that game for Ohio. I'll say it right. I'll say it right now. Ohio would have won that game if their star quarterback wasn't injured early on. Uh, so San Diego State won 20 to 13. I did tell you guys uh, that I would lean the under in that. I didn't put it as an official play. The under was 48 and a half, I believe. Uh, they only scored 33 points, so the under would have hit in that if you guys would have, uh, if you leaned it, if you played it. Good for you if you did. Um, moving on, UMass at New Mexico State. 
UMass won this one 41-30, but they were completely outplayed by New Mexico State in every aspect besides the turnovers. Uh, New Mexico State had more total yards, more first downs, more time of possession. Only problem is they had three turnovers compared to zero for UMass. UMass just jumped on every opportunity they were given uh, when they turned the ball over, when New Mexico State turned the ball over, and that was the key key aspect of that game. So UMass walks out 41-30. Uh, that's about all I got to say in that game. Uh, Florida International at Louisiana Tech. Not really sure how Florida International stayed in this game. Louisiana Tech won 22 to 17, but they were 12 point favorites. Louisiana Tech had 450 total yards compared to Florida International's 182. And get this, Florida International only had four total passing yards. Their quarterback was five for 14 for four yards. I do not know how Louisiana Tech let Florida International stay in this game. Uh, just an absolutely horrendous game. But Louisiana Tech walked out with the W, but they did not cover the 12-point spread. So, yeah. Moving on. This is uh, one of my picks I had. Hawaii at Vanderbilt. Um, Vanderbilt won 35-28, but I had Vanderbilt minus 17.5. Uh, Vanderbilt's run game was non-existent. And their passing attack was outplayed by Hawaii's. Um, just w- it wasn't a pretty game for Vanderbilt. They did not play very well. Minus seventeen and a half looked pretty good. They were up thirty-five fourteen early in the fourth quarter, but they were outscored fourteen nothing in the final fourteen minutes of the game. So minus seventeen and a half was it was covering, and then their offense went to shit basically. And same with their defense. Hawaii put up 14 points on them. So credit Hawaii. They played pretty well. Their quarterback looked like a hell of a player. Uh, I could see Hawaii. Hawaii is not going to be very good this year, but definitely improvements uh, compared to last season. Uh, Vanderbilt, though, I don't know if they really made the improvements they needed in their uh, rushing offense. It wasn't very good last year. And their defense wasn't very good last year. And it did not look good again last night. So I don't know if they'll be making a bowl game like I kind of predicted in the first episode, but they they definitely they definitely have room for improvements. And then moving on to the final game, as I'm not going to talk about the Jacksonville State UTEP game, uh, Jacksonville State won that 17-14. That's about all. But the final game I'm going to talk about is San Jose State at USC. Um, USC won 56 to 28. I had over 64 and a half which ended up being a W, so I went 1-1 one one in Week 0. Not a bad start to the season. I'll take 50%. But basically what I talked about in the previous podcast happened, I figured USC would put up a lot of points, and I figured USC's defense wouldn't be able to stop the passing attack for San Jose State. Um, Caleb Williams went 18 for 25, 278 yards, four touchdowns. He let, he He picked up right where he left off. Offense looked great. True freshman Zachariah Branch looks like a big playmaker for USC. Four receptions, 58 yards, one touchdown. He had one kick return for a touchdown. Three punt returns for 66 yards. Like, Zachariah Branch, look out for that name. He's going to be a damn good player. USC's defense, though, still a lot of question marks. Didn't get a lot of things answered um, in that first game there. 
gave up 198 yards in the air, so not horrible. But they also gave up 198 yards on the ground. Gave up 24 first downs. Against San Jose State, that's not what USC was looking for there whatsoever. They definitely have lots of room to grow, and they need to grow fast. Because they're going to be... They got a tough schedule this year. They go. They have Notre Dame. They're backloaded, so they got to figure their stuff out. Their defense needs to improve, or I don't see USC being very good this season. Moving on, I'm going to talk about some early Week One lines to watch. These are not my official plays, but I'm going to be watching them going into the Wednesday podcast, and I could see myself playing them if more uh, news comes out. Uh, the first one is. Utah minus seven at home versus Florida. I like Utah to cover this at home if if their quarterback Cam Rising can play. He is going to make or break that team. He tore his ACL in their bowl game last season against Penn State. He makes or breaks that offense. Uh, if he plays, which they they're not really sending out any news right now, so I don't know if he's going to or not. But if he plays, I like Utah to cover the minus seven. If he doesn't play, I like Florida plus seven. I also think it's going to be pretty low scoring if he doesn't play. Uh, I don't think Florida's offense is going to be all that good this year with uh, Graham Mertz uh, at quarterback from Wisconsin. Uh, I think it'll be pretty low scoring, so I'd also lean the under. I'd watch the under in that game. But if Cam Rising plays, Utah minus seven. If he doesn't, Florida plus seven and lean the under. Uh, Moving on, I like North Carolina minus two and a half versus South Carolina. This is a neutral site game. Neither team has home field advantage. But I think USC or UNC takes this one. Uh, Drake May is the better quarterback between him and Spencer Rattler. He proved it last season. Uh, South Carolina only returns four starters on defense. Their offensive line's pretty depleted. I don't see them uh, figuring figuring it out by week one. I think it's going to take some time. I think North Carolina covers this one. I think they cover it pretty easily. I think Drake May just takes advantage of the only four returning starters on defense. And I just don't think uh, South Carolina will have it all figured out come week one. So UNC minus two and a half. And then my final week one line to watch is Fresno State plus four and a half at Purdue. Uh, Purdue is just a completely different team this season. They're changing from a more run and shoot offense to a very, very defensive based team. They got Ryan Walters at head coach, first year head coach uh, last season and the season before that. Illinois defensive coordinator. Illinois had a really damn good defense under him. I think Purdue's going to have a really damn good defense under him. I just don't know how good their offense is going to be. They get Hudson Card, who threw for 899 yards, six touchdowns, one interception last season at Texas in three starts. Um, I don't know how he'll do in the first game under a brand-new head coach and just a brand-new offense. Now, Fresno State, they won the Mountain West last season. They completely reloaded their team with talent on both sides of the ball. I think this is going to be 
a damn good game. I think Fresno State can possibly go in there and win the game, but I think they'll cover plus four and a half. I'd play it down to plus three, probably. So Fresno play Fresno State plus four and a half at Purdue. All right, moving on. This is a new segment. I wanted to do this before the season started. Uh, we got some hot takes. This first one comes from my cousin Tate from Ames, Iowa. He says that Washington makes the playoffs this season. Now, why it can happen, I mean, right here, Michael Penix Jr., Roma Dunze, and Jalen McMillan, those are three reasons why it can happen. They're returning over 80% of starters from a team that won 11 games last season. They get Oregon at home. They get Utah at home. Those are two tough games, two tough teams. If they can win those, that's big time for them. So it can happen because their offense is going to be good. Their defense is going to make improvements. I mean, they return 80% of starters. It's the perfect recipe for a team to make the college football playoffs. If USC's defense isn't improved, Washington's probably the favorite out of the out of the Pac-12. Um, so that's why it can happen. Now, why it can't happen is if the team doesn't stay healthy. I mean, Michael Penix Jr.'s had in- injury problems in the past. Um, their defense, if their defense doesn't make improvements that they needed, uh, that could be another reason why it doesn't happen. They have to go to Michigan State in week three. That's not going to be an easy game for them. Uh, they have a four-week stretch to end the year where they go at USC, then they get Utah at home, then they go at Oregon State, then they come back and they play Washington State at home. I think they for sure have to win three out of those four, if not four out of four there. It all depends on how they do with the uh, Oregon, Utah, and um, Michigan State games. So if they already drop one of those earlier in the season, they have to go four for four there to even have a chance to make the playoffs because a two-loss Washington team is not making the college football playoffs. A one-loss Washington team, even with the Pac-12 championship, still might not make the playoffs depending on who that loss is to. So I rate that one about eight and a half out of ten uh, for a hot take. I don't. I think it's a lot less likely to happen than it is actually going to happen. Moving on, this one is also from my cousin Tate from Ames, Iowa. He says Wisconsin makes the playoffs. Now this one is just, boy, this one's something. Um, why it can happen, the off if if the offense is much improved, obviously, air raid offense. Uh, the defense will still be loaded, so that'll help for sure. Um, they get Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio State at home. Like I said, the offense will be improved may be improved enough to keep up with an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Penn State offense in the Big Ten Championship if they get there. So we'll see. It just all depends on how how much they uh, mesh together under Luke Fickle. And then why it can't happen, like I said, first season under new coaches, they might not mesh well. They go to Washington State in the second week of the season. Washington State has Cam Ward. Washington State is no walk in the park, especially at Washington State. So that, that's not an easy game for them in the second week of the year. They have to travel at Purdue, at Illinois, and at Minnesota. Uh, those are not easy games whatsoever. Uh, at Illinois is going to be a tough one. At Minnesota is going to be a real tough one to end the season. 
They have a three-week stretch in the middle of the season where they get Iowa at home, then they have to go to Illinois, then they get Ohio State at home. I could see them dropping two out of those three. Who knows? If worst-case scenario, they could drop three out of those, all three of them, and then they get at Minnesota last week of the year. That's going to be a tough one for them. I I rate this one a a 9.5 out of 10. I do not see this one happening whatsoever. This is a very hot take. I appreciate Tate for sending this one in. And then my last hot take of the day. My good buddy, Nick Ryder from Dubuque, send this one in. He says, the trend ends where three preseason top 10 teams are not in the final AP top 25. So three out of the top 10 preseason teams will not be in the final AP top 25. That's happened the past two seasons. He says this year it ends. I think that is uh I think that's a good good hot take there. Um why it can't happen? Why I think three teams will be outside the top 25. Washington could be derailed by injuries. Injuries, health, it all it all comes down to that basically with this. Um Michael Penix Jr could be hurt and their season could go to shit. Um Clemson Worst case this season, in my opinion, is six and six or seven and five. Like they have Duke to start the season, they have Florida State at home, they have to go to Miami, they get Notre Dame at home. Notre Dame looked like a damn good team, so I think that'll be a good uh, good game. UNC at home, and then South Carolina on the road. South Carolina to end the season if they improve, Spencer Rattler could be dangerous. Um, so. Yeah, Clemson could e- could not easily, but they could go six and six or seven and five this season. So that could be another team that falls out of the top twenty-five, and then like uh, Florida State or a USC season could go downhill if Florida State's offense just isn't very good. If USC's defense isn't very good, they could lose all their big conference games, and that could drop them out of the top twenty-five. It it just really all depends honestly, on injuries and just how the team meshes together and if the team's made improvements, honestly. And then why the trend can can end, I think the top 10 is just pretty loaded this season. I don't really see any of the teams having a poor season besides uh, maybe Washington. Uh, Washington, like I've said this three times now, but just all comes down to injuries. And I think... I think the trend will end this season as well. Um, I rate this a hot take like a 6 out of 10 maybe. Not, maybe not even that high. Maybe a 5 out of 10. It's just, I just don't think it's likely that three preseason top 10 teams fall out of the AP top 25. Like Texas A&M, overrated Texas A&M isn't in the top 10 this season, so you can't count on them falling out. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't see it happening. I think the top, like I said, I think the top 10 is pretty loaded. Uh, so, I yeah, like I said, I rate this one, I think I rate this one a 5 out of 10 on the hot take scale. And then uh, the final little thing I'm going to do in this podcast, I'm going to predict the Iowa Hawkeyes 2023 season. This one... This one hits close to home, as I mean, probably everybody that listens to this podcast knows. I'm a big Iowa fan. I, I'm not trying to be a homer on this podcast. I try to make it just about. I, I I'll be honest. Like I, I 
I'm a big Iowa fan, but I am not going to adjust my record just because I'm their fan. I'm going to be honest right here. So this, in my opinion, best case scenario for Iowa this season, and I know I'm going to get messages. They're going to, you guys are going to call me a homer. But best case scenario is 11-1 and or 12-0. and I'm going to be honest with you. And this all comes down to if the offense is improved. If the offense was even top 80 last season, Iowa very well could have went 11-1. and And this season, their schedule is 10 times easier. They don't have Michigan. They don't have Ohio State. Like, I could see Iowa going 11-1 and or 12-0 and if that offense is even top 75 this season. Their defense is always loaded. So... 11-1 and 12-0 for best case scenario. Now, worst case scenario, I have them going 7-5. and five. Um, I have a loss, a win or a loss at Iowa State, a win or a loss at Penn State, win or loss at Wisconsin, win or loss when we get Minnesota at home, and a win or loss when Iowa goes to Nebraska. Now, I was thinking about maybe putting a win or loss um for Illinois at home, but I just think that game last year at Illinois is going to kind of stick around uh, the Iowa players' heads. They should have won that game. The refs overturned an absolutely horrendous call when Iowa returned a fumble for a touchdown when the game was tied with a minute 30 left or whatever it was. I think that's going to stick with the Iowa players. I, I don't think Illinois comes into Iowa and wins this season. So I just have that as a win. So worst case scenario, I think Iowa goes seven and five. And then most likely record, I have them going nine and three or ten and two. I I truly don't see them losing at Iowa State this season. I see them probably losing the Penn State game and probably the Wisconsin game. And then I think they'll drop one out of the two between Minnesota and Nebraska. I don't know which one, but it, it's it's time for Minnesota to finally beat Iowa. I mean, it's been seven years. P.J. Fleck is uh, Kirk Ferentz's son. He's a massively overrated coach up there in Minnesota, in my opinion. Um, he wears short shorts. Uh, he wears capris. Um, he's got a bald, shiny head. I do not like P.J. Fleck. I think he is all about the cameras and all about himself. I hope I never get big enough to the point where I have an opportunity to interview him because uh, I would probably um, call him mean names. So yeah, I don't. I do not like P.J. Fleck, but I think he could possibly get a win finally this season against Iowa. Anyways, uh, moving on from that. Sorry about that little sidetrack. Um, even if they don't beat Iowa this season, we Iowa has to go to Nebraska. Nebraska has all the momentum now. I mean, they beat us last season. I don't know if we can go in in there and win. Uh, kind of just depends on how good Nebraska is this year, I guess, um, under Matt Rule. Um, yeah, so most likely record, I see them going 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. And this all comes down to Iowa's offense. I mean, this might be the first time, though, in multiple years where I can name, well, how many guys I got written down here? I got Cade McNamara. Best quarterback Iowa's had since probably Ricky Stanzi. And Ricky Stanzi was kind of an overrated quarterback, I'm not going to lie to you. Threw a lot of interceptions. 
Uh, Caleb Johnson at running back. I could see him going for 1,200-plus rushing yards this season, maybe more. Luke Lachey at tight end. Eric All at tight end, transfer from Michigan. That's going to be a deadly tight end duo this season in the Big Ten. Uh, Deontay Vines as our wide receiver number one. Caleb Brown, transfer from Ohio State. He's probably going to be our third wide receiver. Seth Anderson, he's a transfer. We still we still got Nico Regini. Uh, Iowa's offense has some talent this season. It just all comes down to if they are used right. So it all comes down to Mr. Brian Ferentz. And then their defense. I mean, I can name off every starter on that on that defense. Their defensive line is loaded. I mean, their defensive line has Logan Lee, Joe Evans, Yaya Black, Deontay Craig, Aaron Graves. Should be saying Noah Shannon's name, but the NCAA fucked that up. What a bullshit suspension. I mean, good Lord. Noah Shannon, fifth-year senior, did not bet on a single Iowa football game, bet on some Iowa, I think, women basketball games maybe, and he's getting he has to sit out for a full season. I, it's just, the NCAA is a joke. I cannot wait till uh, they don't run college football anymore. It, there's so they're so dumb. Uh, but then we got Cooper DeGene, Xavier Wangpa, Quinn Schulte, like Jeremiah Harris. Our linebacker core is gonna be good, even though we lost technically three starters. I mean, Iowa's defense is gonna be stacked this season. Their defensive line is gonna be insane. Probably the best they've had under Kirk, in my opinion. So it all just it all comes down to Iowa's offense. So yeah, a little rundown. I'll just say it again. Best case scenario, eleven and one or twelve and zero. Worst case scenario, seven and five. Most likely record, nine and three or ten and two. Probably nine and three. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this podcast, this episode. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, I got five of my friends, so there's going to be six total uh, pick pickers um, every week, and we're going to put out put out three locks, and then I'm also going to have my own plays besides that uh, plays that I'm going to have in, and we're going to be able to keep track. And just see how bad or how good I do this season. Um, but I start, I'm start. i starting 1-1, one one, 50%. Already an improvement from last season where I was 47%. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully I get up to about 60% this year. Make some money for all of us if you guys follow me. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you guys got any hot takes, uh, I'm only going to be doing one more podcast. Uh, one more segment of that because the season starts. No point in getting hot takes after that. Um, so, yeah, if you guys got any hot takes, send me a message. Send yours in. Um, I'll I'll put them in the podcast, and I'll, I'll rate them out of 10. So, again, thank you guys for listening. This was Sniffing Lines with Hunter Mickles, Episode 3 of Season 2. Peace.